Morning, everybody. Morning. Hope everybody's doing well. Uh, had a good week. Survived the storm, I see. Today we're going to be uh, reading out of 1 Samuel chapter 17. Really, really excited to, about this uh, message. I've uh, been, uh, been eager to share it for a little while now. I'll be starting in uh, verse 25 here in just a second. A little bit of history going into it. Uh, this is dealing with uh, King David. He's still a, a teenage boy, still a shepherd. He's already been anointed by Samuel B. King. And he is the youngest son of his family. The Philistines have come to Israel and they've come to challenge Israel. With their greatest fighter, for Israel to send out their greatest fighter. So all the men are down meeting the Philistines, scared to death, because a nine foot nine inch approximately <coughs> man is standing there calling them out and cursing their God to their face. And none of them have the goodness to go down there and face them. So Jesse, Dave, uh, David's father, sends him down there to take food to his brothers. And to take food to the commander or the general of the army. So Daniel's down there. And he's looking around, seeing what's going on, hearing what people have to say. So we pick up in uh, verse 25 of chapter 17. It says, The men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely he has come to defy Israel. And it will be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich him with great riches will give him his daughter and will make his father's house exempt from taxes in Israel. So David spoke to the men that stood by him saying, what did you say? Basically, what did you say? He said, what will be done for the man that kills this Philistine and takes away this approach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Two things here. One, David was amazed that no man had stood up to uh, Goliath. Instead of seeing the giant, he saw the prize. And more importantly, instead of seeing the giant, he remembered the God that he served and how big God was. So when I read back uh, through this, as I've been studying on it, uh, David kind of reminds me of a very gung-ho uh, country boy. He's seeing this big man out there and he's looking at the guys around him and said, what did y'all say will happen if somebody takes this man out? He said, I get a bunch of money, I get me a wife, and my family's taxes up. Y'all ain't tried this yet? What is wrong with y'all? Secondly, David had reverence for who God was. Obviously, Goliath didn't. And I've heard it said a couple times recently, uh, doing some studies that uh, something that really caught my attention was somebody was mentioning that until you have reverence for God you can't find salvation because if you don't revere God and his holiness and his righteousness you have no inkling of the amount of sin that you have and your need for Jesus and your need for God your need for a Savior 
So one of the most important things is David feared the Lord automatically from this. David knew that God was with him. And he had the faith to do what he needed to do. But no one else out there had the same amount of faith. His own brothers told him to hush his mouth. And King Saul, who meant well, even tried to place doubt in him. Both his brothers and the king tried to tell him that he was not qualified to do what God had laid out for him to do. And also some of our biggest debilitators in life are well-meaning friends and family. People within our very intimate inner circle of trust who mean well are quick to say that you can't do that. Quick to kill out the fire that's in you. Sometimes we'll have a loved one that says, he's like, I'm going to go and I'm going to do this one. You can't do that. You're not qualified to do it. You haven't been educated enough to do it. And also as a society, we face a lot of seriousness on education, which is important. But you can be so well educated and still not be able to do the task because you're not made for it. You can have the head knowledge, but you may not have the hand knowledge and the ability to have the muscle memory to make it happen. So we'll pick back up in verse 32. When David went before Saul, because Saul was like, who is this, who's this boy down here talking? So David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. You're but a youth. And he's been a man of war from his youth. There he is telling him he's not qualified. Yeah, a teenage boy here. There's no way he can stand up against a man who's been fighting on him when this boy's been alive. Trying to disqualify him. But I love David's response to Saul's well-meant words. David said to Saul, Your servant was a shepherd in my father's flock. And the lion came and the bear and took the lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I took hold of his beard and I struck him and I killed him. Your servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be as one of them because he has rivaled the armies of the living God. David said, the Lord delivered me out of the paw of the lion and now the call of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistines. And Saul said to David, Go, the Lord be with you. See, when we make camp with God, we can have that confidence. When we understand and take hold of the authority that Jesus gave us through the Holy Spirit, we can take hold of that confidence that we can stand against our enemies that come against us, those principalities and evilness that come against us. But when we lose focus of who God is and what we're called to do, we can find ourselves in a real mess. See, Israel was the apple of God's eye. He loved that nation. That was his people and his nation. But yet again, they forgot who he was, how strong he was. They forgot that he took them out of slavery in Egypt split a sea, sent them across dry land. 
sent them around the desert for 40 years, providing for every single need. They had already forgotten, and it hadn't been that long. Sometimes we try to be equipped with something that we're not supposed to be equipped with. We find that in uh, verse 39. It says, David secured his sword to his armor and tried to walk, but he was not used to it, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Saul was a bigger guy, and Saul gave David his armor, trying to prepare him for this fight. He tried to give him the best of the best. And what sometimes what others feel is best for you is not always exactly what you need. So David took his staff in his hand and chose for himself five smooth stones out of the brook, and he put them in his shepherd's bag, even in a pouch. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. See, for anybody else, that armor would have been appropriate, especially if it would have fit. But David had never worn that type of armor. He had fought many battles. As a shepherd, it wasn't just easy going out there in the field playing this harp and everything's going smooth. No, he had dangers. He had people trying to steal his flock and kill him. Beasts trying to kill him and his flock. So he was always on guard, always had to fight. And honestly, he was fighting beasts that were bigger than him. I don't know about y'all, but I may not want to go up against a bear or a lion. I don't feel equipped with my bear hands. David, as a teenager, went up against these beasts. We got the luxury of equalizers. He didn't have that many equalizers. He had a sling and a staff. David spent his whole life training for this exact moment. Out there in the pastures with his sling. Fighting off those thieves and the beasts. Probably shooting blade pots off of a rock. I know as a little boy, uh, I was always eager to get outside my little red rider and some type of reused plastic container, whether it be a butter container or something. My poor grandmother lost a lot of containers to me because I was always sneaking out. Yeah, I want to go out there and I want to practice shooting my BB gun. I'm sure he was doing the exact same thing out there in the pasture, practicing. The Lord had prepared him for that exact moment. You see, we hear about his faith early on in this passage, but we also see David being practical here at the same time. Yes, the Lord is with him, but that does not negate the fact that he also needs to physically prepare himself. The Lord is with us, but sometimes the Lord also needs us to physically move, not just wait on Him. We can wait on Him all day long, but sometimes we need to move. The Lord has given us skills and given us wisdom that we may not already have. But in particular, life skills that we've picked up over life, 
Lord's blessed us to have those skills and to excel at those skills. And we need to use those skills to glorify Him. And sometimes we have difficulty fighting our giants because we're too busy trying to operate in a skill or a gifting that was never given to us. For some people, hospitality is easy going. They can do it all day long and excel at it. But other people, it's not an easy thing to do. My job as a paramedic, I feel pretty confident in it. But I don't expect anybody else here to do it. Because one, you haven't learned the skills, and two, that's not the calling that you've been given into. And sometimes we try to look at our neighbor this is what they're doing. The Lord has gifted them in this. This is the skills they have. I should be doing that. That's not always the case. The Lord made us unique for a reason. We look at our modern society and everybody's all about individuality, but the problem is in their search for individuality they've become so conformed into something more uniform. That has no individuality, no face. No individuality, no freedom of thought, no freedom of speech. Because if you say something, you're going to offend somebody. If you think something differently, then you're an outcast. That's not individuality. The Lord has blessed us with brains that work and skills. And sometimes we have to be real and realize that Saul's armor and weapons are his. And we need to use what God made us for, not our neighbors. And short of that, stop comparing yourself to others. Right. Yeah. <coughs> Another thing I want to make sure is drilled into our heads. And yes, God was on David's side. And yes, God was still in control of the whole situation. David also had to make the choice to prepare himself and make the choice to go down and face it. And I also don't think that he picked five stones because he doubted what God could do with that one stone. I think he did it in preparation because preparation goes a long way. And he did it because Goliath was not the only enemy out there on that field. He was just the one out front. He did it because he had experiences with dealing with powerful enemies. Lastly, before we close, I'm going to pick back up in verses, uh, verse 43. It says, The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And then the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the heavens, and now the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, Come to me with a sword and a spear and a shield. And I will come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts and the God of armies of Israel, whom you have revealed or uh, reviled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. And I'm going to skip a little bit because of how graphic it gets. All the earth will know that there is a God in Israel. And then all of this assembly will know that it is not by the sword and spear that the, sword, that the Lord saves. For the battle belongs to the Lord, and he will give you into my hands. 
And obviously, David fulfilled that with one shot right here. One of the things that stood out in that last passage right there says, Then all of this assembly will know that it is not by the sword and the spear that the Lord saves, for the battle belongs to the Lord. As a big guy, that verse says a lot to me. Because there are many, there's not very many situations where I don't feel confident that I can fight my way out of it. But the truth be told, some of our biggest battles, we can't fight out of. Some of our biggest battles, we have to simply rely on the Lord to fight for us. As uh, several years ago, I was having a conversation with my grandfather that uh, I really adored. Uh, I just finished my uh, my basic firefighting classes. Me and him were talking. He was the biggest bad dude I've ever known in my life. He was my hero growing up, still is. Marine in the 60s and a retired Charlotte police officer. And he was telling me why he would never fight fire. He said, I can fight my way out with humans. He said, fire, he said, that comes back at you. He said, you can't swing or shoot fire. That was his words. And it got me to thinking. Some of our battles, we cannot fight out of. Unless we have the appropriate tools. I felt confident with fire because I knew I'd been trained on what to do. I knew how to listen for the change in the fire and watching the smoke and how to put water towards it. And many times we need to remember in our battles with giants that as disciples of Jesus, we've been given a new identity and a new authority in life. And we need to open up our mouths and declare that the Lord of hosts is our banner. That he is the one that's fighting. That he owns the battle. That he is ours. And we are his. And we fight for him. But in order to carry the banner of the Lord, we have to first have reverence for it. That we will strive to follow the will of the banner owner. Centuries ago, when people went out to the battlefield, you had somebody carrying the banner. And that army did the will of whoever that banner represented. If we are finding our identity in Christ, then that is our banner, and we need to try and follow the will of Christ. So my three points today is David revered the Lord, he prepared himself, and he decided to take action. And some of us have giants in our lives, and we need to start speaking to these giants. There's generational bondages, the walls and wedges within relationships, addictions, and anything that tries to control our allegiance away from God. We need to speak out to it and tell it in the name of Jesus Christ, be gone and be worthy. We've been given that authority and we don't move enough in it. And life can be scary and giants can come and go, but we can never forget that there is no giant bigger or stronger than our God. Father God, I come before you and I just thank you for today. I thank you for your word. I pray that your word would penetrate into our hearts and manifest within our lives. And anything that was not of you would just fall to the wayside, Father. 
pray that throughout the week that you just continue to speak to us, that we'd be hungry for you in a way that we cannot feel, that we'd always be trying to eat of you and follow you, Father, and that you take captive of our thoughts, captive of our actions, and give us boldness where we need to be bold and peace where we need to be peace. In your name, amen. Amen. Amen.